Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I don't know if you remember, but back in August of um, 2014, there was a, a group of people that had gathered at Stirling train station and they were on the platform readying themselves to board the next train as they, the boarding process went well uh, uh, and until one man who was on the platform stepped partially into the, into the, uh, into the cabin and then stepped back accidentally with his left foot and his foot went down between the train and the platform. Let's see uh, the photo number one, please, Wes. He's just there. He's just walked into the train. Then go to number two. Bang. He's down. He's in between the train and the platform. The guards stopped. The next one. The guards stopped the train, which was really good, from moving off. And the passengers were initially asked to get on the other side of the train and try and shift the weight so that they may be able to free the trapped man. But that didn't work. Next one. So all the people started piling off the, uh, the train. They were told to disembark. They had a bit of a consultation. Go to the next one. And they said, why don't we get as many people as we can to push the 43-ton train carriage enough room so they could free the man's leg. 60 people got together and they freed the man and he was able to move. I think that man loves his community. He's pretty happy for a community of people that got together with one purpose, one vision, one, one desire, and that was to free one man and save his life. I think it's a great illustration of what a community can achieve together. In the New Living Translation of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I want to preach a message this morning about the church and community because the word community is derived from a Latin word, uh, and a combination of different words, but communist or communis is the word, not communist, but communist as the word. And it means to have something in common, public, shared by all or many. Other Latin words mean come together for service with a burden and duty and obligation. All those words are, in, are connected. Now, this generation doesn't want to hear about duty, doesn't want to hear about obligation. And we as believers can easily sink into that mentality that we're not needed in the community, but we are. The community of believers has a common purpose with common values. In our text this morning, Jesus has previously said in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says, and being assembled together with them, Jesus was into assembling together, gathering people together, right? 
they were, while the Lord was on the face of the earth, he regularly got people together. It is practiced today as an endorsed by the word of God that we should gather together, not just sit at home and watch television, not just go off on a picnic on a Sunday, but we gather together as a community of believers. And then it says later on in, in, in scripture, it says that we have a future together when we are gathered unto him at the sound of the last trump. In our text, we read about the birthing of the New Testament church. And since our inception, I want you to listen to that. It's our inception 2,000 years ago. The plan of God has always been that the church be a living testimony to God in the midst of a wider community. I want you to read with me. I'm going to, for sake of time today, I want to skip through a couple of verses. Just look at Acts chapter 1, verse, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Then verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem uh, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, so this, the sound of the rushing mighty wind, the Holy Spirit had come down on them. Verse 6, the sound occurred. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look at all these things, uh, at, uh, at all these who speak Galileans. And, and sorry, uh, are they not all uh, these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language in which we were born? And it goes on to list all of them. I'm not going to list them all. And it goes on to say in verse 11, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own language, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed to one another. Whatever could this mean, they were saying, Others mocking said they are full of new wine. Now, we keep that open. We're going to go back there in just a minute. But I want to talk to you firstly about the birth of the believer's community, the birthing of the believer's community. This was the first church. Every time you read it, a, a commentary about this, this is the birthing of the church. When Jesus rose from the dead, his last words were in the, on the earth, uh, uh, some of his last words before he physically ascended into heaven is he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. So here they are, 10 days later, they're in Jerusalem, they're assembled together in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 12 to 14 in the ESV, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem, the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath a day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, verse 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So there's a gathering of believers in the upper room. And then on the day of Pentecost, the church's birth, the believer's community is birth. It is clear that the Lord invested in his disciples a clear understanding of community what it meant to dwell together in one accord. The sense of community is also in us. It doesn't take much for a group of 60 people to come and together in a moment's time and move a train so that somebody could be saved. 
It's in us as people. There is a sense of community. Nobody likes being on their own. This sense of community or gathering with people who share and have, uh, share something or share a vision, a common vision, is part of the supernatural gathering of God's people. I want to tell you today that we are a supernatural gathering of God's people. It may be your old warehouse. It may be just a bit of carpet shoved down on the floor. It's, a, you know, an old roof that's been re restored to the best of our ability. But the fact is we assemble as God's people, ordained by God, a community of believers that has been meeting together, just part of the overall community worldwide, but we are a small community of the believers of Christ, and we've been birthed into this. In our text, the first thing I notice is that they stayed where Jesus told them to stay. Wherever you go, whatever church, whatever community, you know, uh, Matt's going with his family down to Tasmania. Whatever people choose to do, they need to understand that it should be under the direction and the guidance of the Spirit of God. When we first came to this church in Winchester, Winchester Road, that's what it's called, Westchester. I knew it was something up there. I couldn't remember what street it was. And, and I remember going there. I said to my wife, where do you think God wants us? This is about believers seeking God to be a part of a believer's community. I love the believer's community. I love the fact that I have no friends and family members that are in other churches. They're part of the community too, but we are a localized community and I love the community. A community of believers that gather for prayer. A community of believers that gather with a, uh, with a shared interest and aim. The second thing I notice is these people not only stayed where they were told to stay, but they, they also had, uh, there were other, beasts, other nations who had come to Jerusalem at that time. God birthed the church when there were so many other people from so many other nations. They were Jews possibly by birth or Jewish converts, but it says very clearly they were from Mesopotamia, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, uh, Judea, Capotia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya. It also goes on to say adjoining Syria, uh, Cyrene, and they were from even as far as Rome. Proselytes, people that had been brought into the faith. God did that for a reason. Our churches are always filled with multinational people, people from every nation, tribe and tongue. The third thing I noticed is people came running to see what was happening. There was a sense, something's happening. I want to be a part of it. What the crowd didn't realize, but that was the birth of the New Testament church. The supernatural enablement of people by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses unto Jesus. Gathering for the purposes of God. They were waiting for the promises of God. Before Jesus, the people of God gathered in synagogues. During Jesus' time, they gathered wherever he was. The New Testament church gathered, worshipped, prayed, listened to teaching, later letters from Paul and others. In Acts 2.45, it says, Now all who believed were together 
and had all things in common, community. Verse 46 and 47, So continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So this community of believers was birthed in joy, birthed in power, birthed with supernatural and divine enablement by the Holy Spirit, and they stayed in that place and they enjoyed the blessing of God. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 4, it says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, I identified that there was going to be a community of people that get together regularly that are believers, and they gather to hear the word of God, to encourage each other, to worship, to outreach in various ways, but they gathered together. Secondly, I want to talk to you about believers in the community. Because in our text, they didn't stay in the upper room. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit caused Peter in the 11, the Bible says in verse 14, to go to the people in the community. They leave the comfort of the upper room where they'd been sheltering for some time and they went down into the community. Acts chapter 1 and verse 15 tells us that there was about 120 people gathered. I want to ask you a quick question. The Bible says, so Peter standing with the 11 began to preach. Where were the rest? Now, I've got a theory. I've got no substantiation for that theory, but apart from the nature and the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus had been there and the boys were all starting to stand up and preach, where do you think Jesus would be? In amongst the people. The community of believers came down out of the, up, uh, the upper room and got engaged with the local community. They got engaged with the local community. When we read the next six chapters of Acts, all we read about is them mixing into the community. Now, in Acts chapter 3, for argument's sake, Peter and John are on the way down to prayer, morning prayer. It's the hour of prayer. And he, as they come to the gate, beautiful, what happens? They interact with a guy who's lame, who hasn't walked, and immediately they pray for him, and he is immediately healed. This is what God has always wanted the church to be involved in, the local community, local church, local community of believers who filter out into our community and have an effect on the greater community. This community of believers would not only affect Jerusalem, but eventually the known world. This was aided by the mix of all nations that were there. Because we're told in Acts chapter 2, that by the end of Acts chapter 2, when they had preached, 3,000 people came to salvation. 3,000 people got baptized. On the same day as they gave Christ, gave their life to Christ. And as they're baptized, as they make an open declaration of the faith that they have come to, they influence their community. But those people, no doubt, went back to their places of abode. They went back to their homes. Believers or Christ followers who assemble in community are not just to stay in community, but to go to the local community and testify of the love of God and the risen Christ. 
If you can't say amen, amen, say oh me. Now this wasn't without opposition. The first thing, first thing, some of those in the crowd, the naysayers, there's always some naysayers in the community. What do they say in verse 13? They are full of new wine, they're drunk. They immediately accuse them. There is always going to be a pushback from the local community when we get involved in the, in the community. Please don't think they're just going to say, oh, praise God, grace life is here. I don't think it's always going to be like that. I don't think, that, I don't think they're going to start singing and dancing when you door knock their door and say, hi, I'm from the local church and I just want to invite you out to, a, to our Christmas services. I've done some door knocking and I can tell you not everybody was happy to see my smiling face. I mean, I'm not even preaching at them. I'm just inviting people to church. And you'll get some pushback. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, there was so much pushback. Listen to what it says. But when they did not find them, that's Paul and his, and his crew, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. In other words, the believers community went out and influenced the greater community. This community of believers will always be polarizing. Now, the word polarizing means divide or cause to divide into two sharply contrasting groups or sets of opinions or beliefs. I was talking to someone before service and he said his boss has ungodly and uh, uh, beliefs or uh, ethos in his workplace. There's a polarizing straight there. He's a believer. He's going into that place as a believer to work, but he's, he's, he's faith as a, as a part of the community of faith, as a part of the believer's community, he's going to affect that community that he goes to the workplace. You know what? Growing up, I never thought that Christmas and Easter would be so polarizing in Australia. When you declare what the real reason for Christmas is, that's polarizing in our community because they just wanted about Santa and snowmen and elves and anything else apart from the gospel. They don't want the Jesus of the cross. They're happy to admit the Jesus in the, in the manger, but they don't want the Jesus of the cross. That polarizes them. And the community of believers that, that, uh, uh, did not just assimilate into the local culture of Jerusalem, but they, they proclaimed the good news of salvation and that became polarizing. I was reading a story by a, a man who became a Christian, but he talked about his life before a Christian. It says, when professor and apologist William Lane Craig started exploring life's big questions as a teenager, he went to a local church and met other High, uh, high school students. Unfortunately, the youth group community within the church seemed more focused on popularity than serving Jesus. This really bothered me, he said. They claim to be Christians, but I'm leading a better life than they are. At least I thought so. Yet I felt so empty inside. Emptiness quickly turned into bitterness towards life and people. 
And then one day at a school German class, I sat behind, a, a, a cheerful girl sat behind me. Her name was Sandy. Craig asked her on the spot why she was always happy. And she told him it was because she was saved and that she had accepted Jesus Christ as her saviour. Sandy explained the gospel to Craig, which he loved. He said, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Here I was so filled with anger and hate. And she said there was someone who really loved me and who it was, but, and who it was, but the God of the universe. The conversation changed Craig's life. He began soul searching, reading the entire Bible right away, trying to apply it to his life. Sandy connected him to a, uh, other Christians at, at his school. And six months later, Craig traded his anger and bitterness for the free gift of God's salvation. Then he dedicated his life to helping others see the truth. That girl, Sandy, became part of the local community. She was willing to say something when somebody asked her that question. As we draw closer to the second advent of Christ, the community of believers are called to be lights to the world. Pastor Josh has already said that. Bunny dropped this one last week. I don't know if you caught it. See if you can catch this one. Listen to this gem. Compassion is the birthplace of evangelism. People who do not want to share the gospel need to do some soul searching because where is your compassion for the lost? If you were on that train that day, would your compassion cause you to get, on that, uh, get on against that train and push it? Or would you say, I'm not trained, I'm not equipped, I don't know enough of the manual? What about safety? I hear all the reasons why one believer cannot share a smile with somebody. And when somebody says, why are you so happy? They, cut, they clam up. Why? When our Savior has done so much and these poor people who don't know Jesus need to know him. Oh, it's your job. You're an evangelist. Can I tell you that as part of a believer's community, all you have to be is a light in a dark community. Soul to the earth. Share the love of God with somebody. It'll change your life. It'll change your whole perspective. Good preaching, Gary. This New Testament believer's community that we read about in Acts chapter 2 were armed with purpose and the Spirit of God and they went out amongst the community and they spread the good news. I want to close this morning and uh, talk to you about purpose in the community of believers. A drastic change happened for the church community in Jerusalem when Stephen was martyred for his faith. If you read it very clear, clearly, the believers were more than happy to stay in Jerusalem. This is, they wanted to stay under, under the spout where the glory comes out. You know what I'm saying? They're, 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 they're saying, they're, I want to stay here. This is where God's called me to. I, I'm just going to stay here. We're going to stay in the upper room. We're, going to, we're just going to stick in Jerusalem where it's nice and comfortable. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. This is Stephen's death. 
And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Until this time, they'd stayed there, but persecution was the catalyst that stirred the church and the community of believers to go into the wider community. Tertullian famously wrote these words, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Stephen's martyrdom was a catalyst for the spread of the gospel. His death forced Christians to flee persecution in Jerusalem, leading to the expansion of Christianity to distant lands. The Lord's purpose for you and I as a community of believers is to not just stay here all week in a commune, order in Uber Eats and just all the time just praise the Lord and be the charismatic maniacs that are running around just around the church but to go out into our community and be a part of everyday life shining the gospel no matter the pushback love your community love them enough to shine with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let God give you the grace. You might be saying, I don't know if I can do this. Say, God, give me the grace. Give me the power. Give me the encouragement. Stir me and challenge me. The Lord's purpose for the church community is always to be, in every community, a witness. To preach repentance from sin and a salvation by grace. It's interesting, I read, I read this this week. Reaching the city of Jerusalem was only part of the plan. Acts 1-7 to describes the gospel in Jerusalem. Acts 8-12 to speaks of the gospel in Judea and Samaria. Acts 13-28 to tells of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Acts 8, 4, but the believers were scattered, who were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Jesus said, go therefore into all the nations. The Lord's purpose is still the same. He hasn't changed his mind that we would be a community of believers, supernaturally enabled, blessed of God, but we'd live normal lives out there in the community, but shedding a life, shedding the light of the gospel to all who will see us. Would it be too hard if I asked you to take one of those cards, knock on your neighbor's door, Whatever their name is, if you don't know your neighbor, can I encourage you to find out what your neighbor's name is? Ours is Chantel. She's just moved in. Her and her boyfriend were panicking about the fires last week and we just spoke comfort to them. But I need to invite her. Just like I invited that guy yesterday. A community of believers should never be a country club for the saints. Waiting in heaven's waiting room for Jesus to take you home. Rather, with vision and purpose, our role in this community 
is critical. Every week, those people that come in for the bread tape, they've made it in the front door of the church and the roof didn't fall down. <laughs> a share of a smile, an encouragement, an invitation. Hey, if you're not doing anything for Christmas, why don't you come back? We have vision. We have purpose. This is a well-used quote, and I think it's apt. It says, the two most important days in someone's life is the day you were born and the day you find out why. Why were you born and why were you born again? By the way, if you haven't been born again, you need to be. Invite Jesus into your life. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. The reason we're born again is not to sit here and wait for Jesus to come back. I've been sitting here for 40 years waiting for Jesus to come back. You can be older, but you don't have to be old in your spirit. Can you say amen? I don't think Jean's old in her spirit. Hallelujah. I think she's physically, she won't be able to do what, as much as her husband could do, but I think she's, she's, got a, she's got a spirit about her. It's youthful. Stay youthful. Tell somebody about Jesus. It'll change your life. It's a vision. It's a purpose. Your purpose is not just to hang around and occupy time. Our purpose as a community of believers is so important for those who you meet. God Almighty has a divine purpose for us. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And I'll ask you, the, ask you this question. If not now, when? And if not us, then who? If not now, Christmas time is the easiest time to invite someone to church. Apart from Easter. Easter and Christmas, easy times. If not now, when? And if not us, then who? Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Every one of us. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's us as a community. You've got giftings, talents, abilities, calling, and praise God you're here. At the Stirling station, the man who was trapped was so thankful that a community of people got together to help him. How many people are out there trapped in a mentality of suicide, a mentality of mental health, just struggling with emotional health? They're being abused in their homes. They're under the pressure of mortgage stress and various other things in life. And what they need is just a wonderful word from you of hope and love, a smile. I wonder about those people on the platform, whether, they had, whether or not they had the skills and qualifications to move a train. I don't think so. You've got all the skills and training because you've got Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got a spirit of God. Who needs anything else? 
That's the greatest power on the face of the earth. With vision, a people of purpose working together can achieve great things for our God because he gives us the grace to do so. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Appreciate your attentiveness this morning. I really do appreciate being given the opportunity once again to preach. And I know that God has called me to preach the word of God. And one thing I want to declare to you this morning, before we go any further in this service, is that your sin is troubling you. It's not the bank. It's not the government. It's not the war between Israel and Gaza. You can look at all the external issues, but every one of us has a problem with sin. And every one of us needs to be forgiven of that sin and set free from it. And there's only one answer for that. Jesus is your answer. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, gave his life so that you could be born again, birthed into a new community called the community of believers. I want to encourage you, give your life to Jesus today. Give your life to Jesus today. Is there anybody here today you would like to pray a short, simple prayer with me where you invite Jesus to become your Lord and Savior and you want to be born again? Why don't you lift your hand so I can see it quickly across this building just as a matter of privacy between you and God, but I'll acknowledge your need and we'll pray a simple prayer together. If there's anybody, lift your hand so I can see it. Lift it up. Be bold enough to do that. For God, Jesus was bold enough to die on the cross for your sins. Would you lift your hand if you need Jesus in your life? Praise God. Praise God. Father, I pray right now for this congregation of believers. I'm so thankful for this community of people that are filled with faith and love for you. Help us to have compassion for everyone who's not a believer. Help us to have faith that you can use our lives. I pray your hand of blessing, your hand of grace upon our service. We thank you for the love of God and for the mercy of God. And we pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com dot au